Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway, featuring live music performances on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Bruce Seeley. This hour we feature three compositions from the 20th and 21st centuries, beginning with Alec Templeton's Pocket-Size Sonata. That'll be followed by Jonathan Santori's Adjectives, then Hinterlands, a piece by clarinetist Jaron Hinckley, who is here today to perform his piece. Also in the studio today are pianists Vince Humphreys and Jeffrey Shumway and bassoonist Christian Smith. I'll be chatting with our musicians throughout the program, but let's hear some music first. The Pocket Size Sonata No. 1 in three movements is by Welsh composer and pianist Alec Templeton. He was blind from birth but became very well known in the 1930s and 40s through his radio music program called Alex Templeton Time. Here's clarinetist Jaron Hinckley accompanied by Vince Humphreys.
Size Sonata Number no. One by Alec Templeton, and played for us by uh, our uh, guests here on Highway 89. That uh, was Jaron Hinckley, uh, clarinetist, and Vince Humphreys at the keyboard. I'm Bruce Seeley, and we're live on Highway 89, BYU Broadcasting's live music performance program. And we're going to talk to uh, Vince Humphreys for a minute now. Uh, if I have the story right, you started playing the piano at the age of four, and your grandpa was the inspiration. Absolutely. My grandpa had a dance band, and he had a piano, and I have that piano in my basement today. And I practice on that one as much as my other sometimes, and uh, my kids also play it, so we love music. Well, you must have practiced well, because it says here you went to the University of Utah with a four-year scholarship in piano performance. Well, it's true that I, I went there on a four-year piano scholarship. I did study for piano for about a year. Uh, then I went away for a couple of years, and when I came back, uh, I had some other ideas about a career, and so piano and uh, music kind of had to take a back seat for a little while, but it's always been a passion, and I've always wanted to come back to it, so this has been a great opportunity for me uh, to renew those, uh, that love for music, uh, do some work with Jaron and some other musicians, so... So is there still time for the cello, since you play the cello as well? Wow, you know, I love the cello. In fact, uh, I met my wife playing the cello, uh, and... Uh, <clears throat> So there's a special place in my heart for the cello. I also have a daughter who plays cello. Uh, in fact, we have an awful lot of cellos at our house, but uh, <clears throat> I do love playing the cello. One thing about that uh, is that when you play a string instrument, you're usually part of a larger group. It's more of a social experience. Piano can sometimes be a solitary thing. Uh, nevertheless, there are these types of collaborations, so anything in music is wonderful to me. So. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, uh, Jaron here is your brother-in-law, so it's a, a family affair, right? It is. You know, we are, uh, I think we're first friends, uh, also uh, musical colleagues and collaborators and maybe even thirdly family. But it's so much fun to be able to do that with family. I, I just love uh, that experience and to have it so close to home is a special blessing for me. Well, and after all of that, here you hold a master's degree in electrical engineering and that's how you earn your daytime work. Well, it's true. Uh, you know, I, I, I always sort of thought that music would be a vow of poverty if I decided to pursue it. Uh, and so, uh, Found some other interests uh, when I was out of the country for a couple of years serving on a mission uh, for the LDS Church. I saw a computer for the first time and it captured me and captivated me and I wanted, that's what I wanted to do when I got back. So, Did that surprise anybody after all those years of music before that you came back with this You know, I, if you think back far enough, I think engineers and musicians go together. I think it was Pythagoras uh, was the first one to figure out that scale and from there it's, it's just been a great uh, thing for both engineers and musicians to sort of be one and the same. So you don't have any trouble fitting the two together. Your avocation perhaps with your vocation, they work together all right. 
Well, no question. When you're working 40 hours a week uh, with a re at a real job, I, music has to be kind of a backseat. But we do try to find time when there is time. Well, that's wonderful. Well, uh, I understand you're into jazz too, but we're, we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to continue. But let's let's see what uh, we have. Some more music now. This is a piece written especially for Jaron and Vince. It's called Adjectives by Jonathan Santori. They premiered this at the International Clarinet Association's Clarinet Fest in 2011. Jaron's playing an E-flat clarinet for this piece. And once again, Vince at the keyboard. Thank you. 
We've just heard Adjectives by Jonathan Santori, especially written for and performed by clarinetist Jaron Hinckley and pianist Vince Humphreys. You're listening to Highway 89 live on Classic Lady 9 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Bruce Seeley. Well, we're going to talk to uh, Jaron Hinckley for a minute now. He's a professor in the Brigham Young University School of Music, clarinetist with the Orpheus Winds Quintet. He's half of the piano clarinet duo H-Duo. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. And he plays in the Utah Chamber Orchestra, accompanying Ballet West. Yes. And uh, he's in the orchestra at Temple Square as well. Now, you've traveled quite a bit, and it uh, looks like uh, from the things we're going to hear yet today and otherwise... Uh, Travel plays an important part in your compositions. It does indeed. <laughs> uh, get some inspiration about that. You've got one piece I know called A Walk Around the Grand Canal at Versailles. Yes. And indeed. the Water Gardens near Fountains Abbey. And we're going to hear Hinterlands. That's place as well. Do you want to talk a minute about the creative process of putting music with place? How does that, how does that work for you? Well, um, when I travel and I see amazing things that... Uh, are new to me or that are particularly moving or compelling to me, um, I've found through the compositional process that there's a way for me to try to transmit some of those feelings to the audience. And so my music that I write that's based on places I've been is highly programmatic, um, perhaps to a fault in that I, as I compose it, I really am describing every step I take around these places that I've been to. And every motif that you hear in the piece has to do with some specific thing that I saw or heard or felt uh, at this location. And uh, if I'm successful, people tell me afterwards that they felt like they were there. (laughs) Well, music can transport us. We know that. Um, Mendelssohn was transported, I guess, when he did the Hebrides Overture that was inspired by Scotland, and I think we're going to go there next here as well to uh, talk about uh, the hinterlands, at least the first movement. Yes. Uh, Ace Cool Aulin, is that how we say that? Very good. Uh, I understand that's the longest waterfall in Great Britain, and it's located in Scotland, and you had a memorable visit there. Do you want to tell (laughs) us about that? Uh, my wife and I were traveling up the west coast of Scotland, and we were trying to find unique things to do. And I had read somewhere about this amazing waterfall, and you can drive into the town and look up at the waterfall, but I also read about this trail you could go on to overlook the waterfall, and I thought that would be more exciting. So we asked at the local tourist information center near the, in the nearest town, and they had no clue where the trail was. And so... We took our guidebook, which had minimal explanation, and we found what we thought was the trailhead, and we started off, and the wind was howling, and it actually tore the buttons off our raincoats. That's how strong the wind was. And uh, we hiked for a while on a trail, and then the trail disappeared, and we were walking just through tall weeds, and we never made it to the waterfall, actually. But, um, but... we managed, and by the time we got back to the car, it was raining, and we were freezing cold, and so that's what the movement's about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to something frightening. <laughs> well, it kind of breaks the truth open about how compositions with picturesque titles are not necessarily the result of a picturesque experience or a happy day trip for the composers. 
Hinterlands by Jaron Hinckley has three movements. We're going to hear all three, but we're going to talk about each one in between. We have permission to do that. And uh, I think we're going to get uh, Chris Smith and his bassoon involved, and I think we need to do a little tuning before we hear this next piece. So we'll pause here and tune, and then we're going to hear the first movement of Hinterlands, Ace Cool Owlin, Jaron Hinckley, Chris Smith, and Jeffrey Shumway now at the keyboard. Thank you. 
We've just heard the first movement from Hinterlands, a composition by Jaron Hinckley, called Ace Cool Owlin, and it was inspired by an almost visit to a waterfall. <laughs> You're listening to Highway 89, this edition featuring music of the 20th and 21st centuries. Jaron's coming back to the microphone now, and uh, you've been known on occasion to put your clarinet aside and take to the stage as an actor. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. What's, what attracts you to that? Very rarely do I take to the stage as oh. an actor, but... Um, <laughs> But occasionally I do. Um, in my undergraduate years at the University of Utah, um, I felt like I was spending all my time in the music building. As a clarinet major, that makes sense. But I, I felt the need for some variety in my life. So I, every semester, pretty much the entire time I was at the University of Utah, I took an acting class every semester and became very interested in acting and over the years have acted in a few shows here and there. And can you take some of the things you've learned in acting and apply those to music making or composition or anything? Actually, in my, um, in my doctoral degree at Florida State University, my dissertation was based on applying the acting techniques, uh, the acting teachings of Konstantin Stanislavski to uh, musicians and how that can help musicians perform with more expression and more comfort on the stage. Okay, and so you, you apply that now? Even to the piece we're hearing, perhaps. Sure, yeah. Well, it's easy with these ones because I, I've been there. I, I don't have to act. This is, these are places I've been, and so it becomes very real to me All as right. I'm playing. More about, more about place. Well, let's hear the second movement, shall we? Uh, from Scotland, we move now to Wyoming, and we're going to hear the second movement of Jaron Hinckley's Hinterlands. This movement is called Rocky Ridge. So once again, uh, clarinetist Jaron Hinckley, uh, Chris Smith, bassoonist and pianist Jeffrey Shumway.
We have just heard Rocky Ridge, inspired by places in Wyoming, USA. It's the second of the three movements from Hinterlands, a composition by clarinetist Jaron Hinckley. And uh, he was performing along with bassoonist Chris Smith and pianist Jeffrey Shumway. I'm Bruce Seeley, and we're live this hour on Highway 89, BYU Broadcasting's live music program. We're going to talk to uh, Chris Smith for just a minute. He, too, is a professor at the BYU School of Music, regularly performs with the Orpheus Winds, as uh, it's, that's the resident faculty wind quintet at BYU. He's performed with the Utah Symphony, the Utah Opera, Ballet West, Toledo Symphony, Ann Arbor Symphony, Flint, Michigan, been everywhere. Uh, also principal bassoonist of the orchestra at Temple Square in Salt Lake City. Then I know you're a conductor as well. Right, do a little bit of that as well. And uh, you've recorded for film and television as well. I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about that kind of an experience because sure. we have a... Well, I don't think if, if the music is done well in film and television, you don't really notice it. But to actually perform it, to re are you looking at a big screen as the scenes go by when you play the music? Or Not too done? often, although the conductor is. And every so often there'll be a, a screen behind us that we can, after we've made a take, we can look back and see uh, about where we are in the film. But uh, usually it's the conductor who can see it. And even the conductor isn't following always the film uh, necessarily, but following the numbers, you know, the that he looks for, and, and perhaps there's more nuance in that, I'm sure. I haven't conducted it, just played in the, the yeah. session. Do you have to travel to do that? Is there is there much opportunity in Utah to record film? There used to be quite a bit. Uh, say 15-plus years ago, there was a lot of recording going on, uh, a lot of feature film recording, I should say. And there's, there's even a, a bit going on now, uh, not just in Salt Lake, but in, in Utah Valley. Uh, but 15 years ago was sort of a heyday for this area, and uh, a number of L.A. composers were coming to Salt Lake, and I think they were able to uh, get musicians uh, for a little cheaper than maybe $300 an hour, um, and uh, uh, also were able to pay a little less in fees for the recording studio itself. So uh, you missed that? You have, you have lots of things <laughs> going on, but was that a time, and now it's, uh, it's done? Uh, fortunately, I, I work at the university, so I don't have to rely on something like that. If I would certainly miss it if that was my only thing that I was doing. And there were some that uh, that took a, a hit when, when the recording went away. It's it's a, a bit of an unstable business anyway, so we can be here today and gone tomorrow. So some people, uh, for some, it was difficult. Well, what we're hearing today, this Hinterlands, I understand, is your commission. You're the one who, That's uh, right. who asked that this happen. We're going to hear the final movement next, but what uh, inspired the, the commission? Uh, give us the background on that. Uh, several years ago, I heard uh, two or three pieces that Jaron had written, and uh, they spoke to me, and so I asked him if he'd be interested in writing something uh, for clarinet bassoon piano. Uh, there was an International Double Reed Society conference in about a year, and I thought if he was interested, perhaps we could premiere it there, which we did. So it was, uh, I think, both good for him and, and certainly good for me as a bassoonist. I'm, I'm always interested in finding new music and commissioning, if I can, new music for the instrument. Well, so far, it's been really very nice, if I may say. Venture my opinion. Shall we finish? Let's do it. Let's hear the uh, third movement from Hinterlands. This is Nordkap, uh, inspired by Finnmark, Norway. And uh, so, once again, here is the uh, final movement from Hinterlands, composed by Jaron Hinckley, who is the clarinetist in this performance. Chris Smith, bassoonist and pianist Jeffrey Shumway on Highway 89. 
We've just heard the third and final movement from a work called Hinterlands that was Nordkap, inspired by Finnmark, Norway. And uh, in performance, clarinetist Jaron Hinckley, pianist Jeffrey Shumway, and bassoonist Christian Smith. And that concludes another live edition of Highway 89. Our musicians once again, uh, Jaron Hinckley, uh, clarinet, bassoonist Christian Smith, pianist Vince Humphreys, and Jeffrey Shumway. And although we didn't have time to talk with Jeffrey, we want to acknowledge that he teaches piano at the BYU School of Music. He's a recipient of the Carl G. Mazur Excellence in Teaching Award from BYU, and he is a member of the internationally renowned American Piano Quartet. I'd like to thank each of our musicians for coming and performing for us here. It has certainly been an enjoyable hour with new music and new ideas. Today's program of 20th and 21st century music included, just to review, Alec Templeton's pocket-sized sonata, Jonathan Santori's adjectives, and, of course, Hinterlands by Jaron Hinckley. We welcome your comments and questions about this show. For information, email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Bruce Seeley. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>